You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Use promo code Gators to double your first deposit. Only at mybookie.ag. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. All right, it is the SEC opener. It is the Kentucky Wildcats coming to the swamp to take on the 12th ranked Florida Gators. That's going by the AP poll, by the way, but uh, yeah, Bing time ranked matchup right here in the swamp on Saturday night Gators second straight home game and kicking off conference play with a very familiar foe one that's given Florida some trouble in recent seasons so Kevin McGuffey of last word on college football where he covers Kentucky where he covers college football will join me right here to preview the Kentucky Wildcats and what they bring to the swamp on Saturday night. Before we get there, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. It really, really helps us out. Man, the subscription's just still climbing. We got that 10,000 number for subscriptions, but you guys keep on keeping on. They keep on climbing. Thank you so much. Hit that like button. Let everybody out there on, you know, if on, the, on the YouTube version, the more you like, the more you subscribe, the more people find Gators Breakdown. It's really, really a big help. Check us out. At the home of Gators Breakdown, newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. And on Gators Breakdown Plus, of course, uh, be a, a, a chat this week, doing the Q&A a little bit different. Uh, Going to do it chat style this week. So the episode on Gators Breakdown Plus this week, Q&A with the Discord chat. So good stuff coming up right there on Gators Breakdown Plus. All right, let's get to the preview of the Kentucky Wildcats. It's that time of year again, Florida and Kentucky, the SEC opener for the Gators right here in the Swamp. Gators, second straight home game. No stranger to these Kentucky Wildcats. Mark Stoops as well. Kevin McGuffey covering Kentucky and college football at last word on college football. Kevin, thank you once again, man, for joining me right here on Gators Breakdown. Uh, David, thank you uh, as always for having me. I I really appreciate it. It it it's great to 
get on here and talk with you about what should be a very exciting, uh, very exciting game on Saturday night. Um, should be should be a lot of fun. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how things go. So. I, it's it, it, look this this series lately has not lacked for drama whatsoever, and probably will continue Saturday night. Oh, I, I agree one hundred percent. You think about it. You know, Mark Stoops last week tied the um, all time record for wins at Kentucky uh, at sixty with, with Bear Bryant. Um, he also became the all time longest tenured coach uh, in the history of Kentucky football, starting his tenth year. Um, when you think about it two years into his fourth season, as I like to point out a lot of places, he was 12 and 26 um, going into that fourth year. And you have to credit Mitch Barnhart. Barnhart gets a lot of flack from people on a lot of things, but you know, a lot of places he stuck with stoops when a lot of people wouldn't, and they've gone 48 and 27 since then. And so he would love nothing. He hasn't talked about it much, but I'm sure he would love nothing more than to become the all-time wins leader at Kentucky by winning in the Swamp for the second time in four years. So it's going to be quite a game. That's – that, that's you know that's that that's all I can say about it. You know, just I'll say it a couple of times. I think it's going to be I, I, one of the better games of the weekend, honestly. Yeah, I mean, this one that, that a lot of people have circled as an uh, early season great game between two SEC teams. That uh, look right now, you know, Florida probably a little better than a lot of people thought. Uh, right. Kentucky, you know, right there, picked second in the SEC East, uh, right there at SEC Media Days. So you know, a lot riding on this game early season right here in the SEC. So you discussed Mark Stoops, but you know, it was a coaching change. Only got one year with with offensive coordinator Liam Cohen before he darts back to the NFL. Uh, I'm going to ask you again the last name. So Rick Scangarello? Scangarello. There we go. I got it right. So comes in, (laughs) another NFL guy, another West Coast offense guy. I guess not a lot is expected to change here with the offense. No, not really. Um, Yeah, they're both from that the the, um, Shanahan – uh, Sean McVay coaching tree. So what, one thing with Scangarello, I uh, you would look for more throws to the wide to the running backs coming out of the backfield, and also a big emphasis uh, with the tight ends. Um, you think about he came from San Francisco. First name obviously comes to mind is George Kittle. Now I'm not saying anybody on Kentucky's team is the next George Kittle, but that's something that I think from watching the Utah game. Um, Utah did a great job with their tight ends, and I think that's something that Levis um, and Kentucky can look for. And you, you talk about Brendan Bates. He had a touchdown catch against Miami of Ohio. You have uh, Keaton Upshaw. You've got – Kentucky's got like five tight ends that, you know, that's, that Scangarello said could, he could see possibly playing in the NFL one day. So I, I think that's something something to look forward to. But you're right. There's not a whole lot of change, I don't think, from the – the Liam Cohen offense to the Rich Scangarello coach offense, maybe a little more emphasis on the tight ends and maybe a little more um, you might see people, you know, out of the backfield trying to catch passes and, and, and things like that. So, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it obviously it's worked, it worked great last year and um, worked pretty, you know, pretty well on Saturday. There was a Kentucky struggled in the first half, but they, they like, they do a lot of these games. You know, the, the first games are always against the Mid-American Conference, it seems like. And, you know, they struggled a little bit in the first half, and then they put it away in the second, which is what you would expect an SEC team to do against, you know, against a MAC team. Kevin, I'm glad you brought that up because I know a lot of people will go back and they'll look at that game. I'm like, look, this isn't the first time Kentucky maybe looked like they're quote-unquote struggling versus mm-hmm. somebody like the likes of the MAC. 
only to go on and win nine ten games after right, that. So, right, right. You know, and, and you go back, go back, sorry, go back to last yeah. year. The uh, Tennessee Chat, or I guess it's just Chattanooga now. Kentucky trailed for a majority of that game yeah. and finally pulled it out in, in the fourth quarter. And as you said, that season, you know, season turned out okay. But um, but yes, if you just looked at like if you saw the halftime score and then you're like it's thirteen to ten, like okay, what's going on? But finally, Kentucky kind of just took over and. Um, like I said, did the way an SEC school should do. So, yeah. So there we go. Uh, now, of course, we're we're coming and everybody even before the season running back was a hot topic because of some off-field issues. Uh, what, what would it look like with the season coming up? Already played one game, uh, but it does look like. <clears throat> and it seems like he's been there forever. Cavazier Smoke will be the feature back there uh, for for Kentucky. Depth chart already been hit so far uh, through one game. Uh, of course, Christopher. Christopher Rodriguez dealing with some off-field issues. Now injuries also piling up for Kentucky. Ramon Jefferson, uh, Jutal McClain likely to miss the matchups as well. Lavelle Wright, Michael Drennan are, are, are next up. Guy, I guess, got a glimpse in the first week, a little bit of, uh, of some in this run game, but a lot of questions at that position heading into this game versus Florida. Right, and based on the, the history of Kentucky over the last few years, when would you think that the running game would be a big question mark for Kentucky? Uh, as you said, Chris Rodriguez, for those who may not know, um, had a DUI earlier this year, uh, pled guilty, and was expected to miss a couple games. And then there's been rumors. I'm not going to get into rumors, but rumors of something else that he may miss even more games. Basically, yesterday or Monday on the press conference, as we're talking, um, Stoop said that he's unavailable until I hear otherwise, making it sound like it's coming from the school. So he won't play this week. And to your point, Kentucky had, much like the tight ends, five running backs that they thought could get a lot of playing time this year. And Ramon Jefferson, who they were really high on, a guy who turned a lot of heads in fall camp, who was a transfer from Sam Houston State. He was an FCS All-American last year. He's injured. He won't play. Um, as you said, um, Cavazia Smoke is going to be the guy. and He's been there forever. It does seem like, and um, he's going to be the feature back, and Lavelle Wright's going to be the guy behind him due to injuries to McLean and the suspension of, of Rodriguez, and then you have Michael Drennan behind that. And if you go back and look at the stats from Saturday, Kentucky only ran for like 60 yards, which, again, is unheard of in the Mark Stoops, especially these last five years, five to six years, running for 60 yards, and I think they averaged 1.9 yards a carry, which is just you know, unheard of, and, and part of that is maybe – you know, some of the personnel, and I think some of it, you know, there's some questions. There's a little bit of struggles at the offensive line as well. So, um, which is another thing you would never think of as being a potential issue with Kentucky um, based on how well the big blue wall has has performed over the last few years. Yeah, Kevin, look, well, I was going to go Will Levis next, but let's stay right there up front on the offensive line, a new look offensive line for Kentucky. And this was the first kind of glimpse at, at, at those guys versus Miami of Ohio. Gave up four sacks. Uh, not a lot of rushing yards, as you mentioned, as well. Uh, is is there some worry there with all the places that needed replacing and the start last week? I, I think there's a little bit of concern. I don't think the coaches, will, of course, will say say that, come out and say it. One thing you'll notice on the depth chart this week, Kenneth Horsey, who was starting guard last week, has moved to left tackle this week. David Wollaball, who was the starting left tackle, is now the backup right tackle. And uh, Keontae Goodwin, who's the uh, All-American everything, everyone's been so excited about to see him play. He's listed as the second team left tackle this week. But you think about it, they had to replace Darian Kennard, um, Luke Fortner, 
And, um, you know, those, those guys and, um, who went on to the NFL and yeah, they've had, they have depth. They just didn't have a lot of experience and whether it was just a one-time thing with, with Miami, um, it, it is, I think a reason as a Kentucky fan, as a Kentucky, uh, person who follows the program, I think it is a little reason for, for concern against Florida on, on Saturday night, who we know Florida is always, you know, almost always strong up front, you know, on their secondary. So yeah, it, it's a definite, it's a definite concern. And it, it's one of the, one of the things I'm definitely watching for. Of course, you could say that about any game who wins the offensive line, yeah. uh, who wins a, that battle up front is going to win the game. But I, I think it, it's really going to be evident if Kentucky comes out, you know, establishes the line of scrimmage, get smoke maybe in, 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 in the, uh, the rushing game. I think I'm like, you know, definitely liking Kentucky's chances if they struggle and they have to fall back on, on, on Levis. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, yeah, you know, there's some new pieces for Utah on that offensive line and they pretty much relied on one back as well mm -hmm. uh, for the majority of that game. So, you know, right. Kentucky, if, if they can replicate Utah, what Utah did, you know, with one running back with some questions up front as well, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility for Kentucky to come in uh, and do the same things mm -hmm. as well. Cause look, Florida's pretty healthy coming out of the Utah game, even as physical as a game that was pretty healthy. But you still got to be probably a little bit of bumps and bruises after a physical game like that, and then have to turn around and do it again versus you know a same style attack that Kentucky will bring. So of Absolutely. course that means all these questions, offensive line, running back, even more probably on Will Levis's shoulders as he comes into the swamp. Twenty-one to thirty-two last week, three hundred and three yards, three touchdowns, one pick, thirty-seven uh, thirteen win for Kentucky. Of course, uh, with the I guess you know all those questions surrounding him is. Pretty apparent. There's going to be a lot on his shoulders this game. Absolutely. And you look at Levis' stats. You think the stats he did he did well, but you know, after the game he said, "Nah, I, I was I was just okay." So he did have the one turnover. That was if you go back through last year, that was the biggest thing. A season ago, he led the SEC in interceptions. You know, he went to the the Manning the passing academy, did all these things in the off season to work on his his mechanics. That does another thing. He worked with with Scangarello working on his mechanics, his throwing uh, ability, and hoping that the turnovers would be lessened this year. Um, just had, He did have the one interception, and it was one of those. He, he locked on a receiver, and I think pretty much everyone in Kroger Field, everybody watching at home online on the SEC Network Plus or whatever, pretty much knew – that's where he was going, and it was you know, it was an interception. It was it was pretty evident it was about to happen. Um, obviously, you can't do things like that against against Florida secondary. And we just go ahead and throw in wide receivers. Um, obviously, Kentucky lost Wondell Robinson. Came in one year, had the greatest season in the history of Kentucky football as a wide receiver. He's now been <clears throat> excuse me been replaced with a, another Mr. Robinson, Tavian Robinson who was a, a, a standout player at Virginia Tech. He had a great game on Saturday. I think it was six catches for about 140 yards. But then behind him, you have two, two true freshmen starting in Barry and Brown and Dane Key. And another thing I will be interested in is to see how these guys, their first SEC road game, it's not like no offense to Vanderbilt, like you're going to play at Vanderbilt. You're going to the swamp, one of the best, you know, greatest environments in all of college football. At Barry Brown, ran a uh, had a kickoff back, 100 yards for a touchdown. It was the first kickoff return for a Kentucky player since 2009. Um, they were, I think, it was like them and Army and somebody else that had the longest streak without having a kickoff return for a touchdown. And then a Dane Key, he's a local product from here in Lexington. Um, 
he had a really, really good game too. And I said, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they do stepping up in the competition and playing on the road down in the swamp this weekend. There we go. Uh, Kevin, I, I, with those two true freshmen there, was those guys who showed up in fall camp and impressed so much as true freshmen ready to go? Or was it more of depth issues and just maybe having to force those guys out there? Well, Kentucky's got a lot of a lot of players at, at receiver. Um, in, in Dane Key's case, he he was an early enroll, enrollee. He enrolled in January, so he had months to get ready with the program. And then Barry and Brown, he's a four-star player out of out of Nashville. He didn't come in until the summer, but he's he's got like ridiculous speed and just you know great hands. And he just came in and impressed the coaching staff. And you see, you know, you see where he is. I mean, they, they have a lot of capable guys. They just, they just don't have a lot of, they don't have a lot of experience uh, at, at that receiver position. You know, like you have like behind them, you have Demarcus Harris, you have Chauncey Magwood, um, Chris Lewis. You have all these, all these guys who um, have played a little bit, but not, not a whole lot of experience. And these two guys who just come in and, and just turned heads and impressed everybody. And now you're seeing them, seeing them start on Saturday. All right, there we go. Good look at the Kentucky offense. Now we'll go to the other side of the ball, a defense that in some places say they only return five starters uh, there. And then Josh Pascal uh, among that group that left there, Kentucky, and a lot of leadership, a lot of production from him. Who is the target to replace that leadership and, produ- and production from him? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're talking about the offense, uh, like the up, up front, Octavius Oxendine is a guy that... Um, at the defensive tackle position is a guy that I've been really impressed with. He played in a few games last year before he got hurt. He's um, another great name, by the way. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Kentucky does has, has some great names. You're, you're exactly right. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, they are going to be without Jordan Wright, one of their, their top linebackers. He is also in the suspension. We don't know how many games he's going to be out. He was did not play against Miami of Ohio. And he will not play on Saturday. But you look, but at, but then, but the linebacker, honestly, positioned is still one of Kentucky's strongest spots. You have Jacquez Jones, the former Ole Miss transfer, mm-hmm. who had an incredible season, was leading tackler last year. And then you have DeAndre Square at, at the the weak side linebacker, um, came back for another season, famously um, picked off a pass at the end of the the Citrus Bowl last year to preserve that win and that epic, epic Citrus Bowl game against, against Iowa. And uh, th- those are two guys that, that I'm looking for. They're going to be all over the ball. You're going to hear their names a lot on Saturday. And then again, up front, like I said, Oxendine, you've got Justin Rogers, who's the former All-American, another All-American out of the state of Michigan, who's you know kind of waited in the wings behind other players and getting his chance this year. And uh, th- those are some guys – like I said, like we talked about earlier, the battle up front is going to be um, is going to be key. And then just moving on back to the secondary, you know, Kentucky lost several players last year to the to the draft at graduation. Uh, Keydron Smith is a guy that um, 
a guy who um, came another Ole Miss transfer at, at the cornerback position. He, he's going to be hopefully they they think that that stop lockdown lockdown person. You have Jalen Geiger, Carrington Valentine, um, Tyrell Asian. I'm just kind of rolling off some names here off, the, mm-hmm. but th- those are guys that were all playing behind people last year that got some reps and got some snaps, and now they're having to come in and be the guy. And honestly, the first drive against uh, Miami of Ohio, Kentucky played his own, and Miami drove the ball right down the right down the field. After that, Brad White went back to more of a man-to-man coverage, and they pretty much locked down Miami of Ohio for the remainder of the game, except at the very end where they got another – you know, they drove some drove the ball in the fourth quarter when you know the game was out of reach and you had some of the other reserves in at that point. But those um those those are a couple guys. And obviously we have to talk about about Richardson. You have to contain him. Kentucky did a very good job against it last against him last year. Now that last drive against Utah, he was just I thought just flat out amazing. I mean, he looked like, you know, Bryce Young, whatever you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC and on the, on that final drive where you guys, you know, drove it down, got the touchdown, and then, of course, Utah drove it back and got the interception in the end zone. You, they have to be able to contain him. They did a good job against it last year. And from a Kentucky person standpoint, hopefully they'll be able to do it again this year. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was his first game. Uh, last year, that was his first game back from injury. Uh, right. he, he had pulled his hamstring versus USF, missed the Alabama game, missed the Tennessee game, uh, made his first appearance back in Lexington, uh, there against Kentucky. So, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully that was not a sign of things to come against Kentucky a year later. So, uh, on the Florida <laughs> side, at least there. But, yeah, going back to Kentucky a bit uh, this past week, held the Red Hawks one touchdown on the night uh, and only allowed, what, 290 yards uh, mm-hmm. of offense there. So, hold Miami less than 300 yards with a good uh, performance, replacing so many pieces uh, on that side of the ball there. So, um, Kevin, I guess, you know, you don't have to give a score prediction or anything like that, but, you know, just looking at the game, um, does it does Florida performance last week versus Utah change the 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 outlook on the game from just maybe even a week ago? Um, from my standpoint, yes, because <laughs> I honestly thought with uh, with the coaching change with Coach Napier, I thought Kentucky was going to be hitting Florida at a good time. I thought they might struggle. You guys might struggle a little bit at the beginning of the season. I honestly thought Utah would win, would come in and win that game last week, and. Um, I'm still going to pick Kentucky as a Kentucky guy. You know, if I pick Florida, it's not going to look good. So I'm going to say <laughs> Kentucky. I'm going to say Kentucky 24 to 20, which I think is pretty similar to what the score was last year. Um, the biggest, again, the biggest thing on defense, you've got to contain Richardson, and on offense, Kentucky has got to get the running game going. If they have to rely, I mean, not to Levis can't do it, but if they become one dimensional and having to rely on the pass, I, I do worry about Kentucky's chances in the game. So that that's that's the two things I'm looking at: contain Richardson and establish the running game. So yeah, I'm going to say Kentucky 24-20. So everyone, Gator, everyone that the Gators um, <laughs> break down, you know, you, you've been able to find me on, online before. So I'm sure uh, <laughs> um, if 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 it goes the other way, I'm sure I'll hear about it, and that's fine. That's what that's what rivalries are for. It's what uh, you know what what's you know being in the SEC makes it so great. Absolutely, absolutely, Kev. Yeah, this, these games look. I mean, these games have lived up to some knockdown dragouts the, the, the last few years. Mm-hmm. Kentucky definitely, uh, you know, a program that has been on the rise, giving Florida right. everything they can handle for you know what, well over a half decade, you know, five six right, years now. Right, right. You think about it. Kentucky's won. Kentucky's won two of the last four. And if we're being honest, it should have been three out of four. <laughs> the, the 2019 game just 
to this day still leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. How do you leave receivers wide open, not once, but twice <laughs> in a game? You know, I'll, 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 just to, just some rivalry fun. I'll have a little bit of fun with that. If we had started trash from snap one, maybe, right. maybe, 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 maybe it's not that close. <laughs> you're right. I mean, that was, that was his coming out party and Kentucky, um, through their history, has had a history of doing that. The, yeah. the backup quarterback has been Kentucky's kryptonite <laughs> over the years. And I remember, you know, watching watching the game, you know, tweeting and like, oh gosh, backup quarterback, here we go. And sure enough, you know that that that's what happened. And um, like I said it, it, it's going to be like I, said, I, I from a Kentucky standpoint, it's great now because let's be honest, for about a many years there. The, the late 90s and the 2000s, Kentucky didn't compete with Florida. You think about the 73 to nothing or sevens and 60, you know, yeah. those games, it, the fact that Kentucky has now established himself as a solid program, some people, you know, I think I picked them to finish second this year, a point of uh, just throwing it out there. I picked you guys fourth. Sorry. But anyway, <laughs> I had, um, you know, I had Georgia, Kentucky, had Tennessee third. Our last word, we did an SEC poll, and we had those two flipped. We had um, Tennessee got one more vote than Kentucky did, and then Florida was fourth, which it's probably been a long time since you guys were picked fourth in the preseason. But yeah. um, but anyway, I said I think that um, it, it's great that it's become a rivalry now. It was so one-sided for so many years that, you know, Kentucky fans, if you look online, Kentucky think we're going to go in there and we're going to win. No, Chris Rodriguez, doesn't matter. And you couldn't always say that. And that's that as a Kentucky fan, that's one of the things that Mark Stoops has done with this program. You think about where this program was when he took it over and where it is now in the 10 years. It's just, you know, been amazing. The fact that, like I said, in the last five years, six years, he's 48 and 27. You know, 48 and 27 in Kentucky is and two 10 win seasons. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty good stats there. So Yeah, I mean, hey, look, I mean, for we'll see what this season holds, but your recent history, you guys have replaced Tennessee, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as, as looking at Florida's schedule as, you know, that's the game we need to, you know, right. watch and circle more so than than, than Tennessee. So, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's been it's been an eventful game, uh, a lot of drama, of course, and <laughs> probably some more drama on Saturday night. Kevin McGuffey, probably last so. word on college football, joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. Kevin, man, thanks once again. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I really appreciate it, and, and congratulations on all your success and uh, continue success with everything you're doing down there. So, and again, appreciate you having me on. Thank you. It's the kickoff to the NFL regular season. College football is in full swing and the Gators and the Wildcats on Saturday. Now is the time to prepare for your winning season at my bookie. Whether you're a veteran better or a first timer, my bookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick and easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 into your, into your account. And you can use your funds to bet instantly on as many games, contests, and props as you want. To claim your bonus, register today and use promo code GATERS to add more excitement to the games and sports you love. Bet on team win totals, predict the Super Bowl winner, or use my bookie prop builder and secure the bag. Your winning season begins today exclusively at MyBookie using promo code GATERS. All right, the Kentucky Wildcats last week defeated Miami of Ohio 37-13. Let's take a look at a few notes from that outing. Senior quarterback Will Levis completed 21-32, 303 yards and three touchdowns. It is his fourth 300-yard game as a Wildcat. 
in his finish in the finish with the game with at least three touchdown tosses. He is the second quarterback in Kentucky history with the 300 yard passing games and consecutive season openers joining Tim Couch in 97 and 98. Will Levis became the 15th Kentucky quarterback to throw for at least 3,000 yards as a Wildcat, now with 3,130 yards in his career. It marked Levis's fourth 300-yard passing game and fifth game of three passing touchdowns or more in 14 starts at Kentucky. In his 14 starts, he has led the Cats to a touchdown on opening series nine times. Nine times out of 14 starts, taking Kentucky down to score a touchdown on the first possession of the game. But, you know, as well, he played in that game. He threw an interception in the end zone, had two other touchdown passes dropped, uh, had another receiver uh, step out at the one-yard line uh, on another would-be touchdown. So it could have been better. Was sacked four times. Um, so Will Levis, that's the highlights from him last week. Senior wide receiver Tavion Robinson caught a career-high a career-high tying six passes for a career-high 136 yards. The most receiving yards for any Wildcat in the first game at Kentucky. Previous record was last year. Wondell Robinson's 125 yards in the 2021 season opener. Uh, freshman wide receiver Barry and Brown scored his first career touchdown, but it was a 100-yard kickoff return. And senior linebacker DeAndre Square started the season opener for a fourth straight season first Wildcat to do so since tight end C.J. Conrad from 15 to 18. He became the first defensive Wildcat to to start four straight openers since 2006-2009. He led Kentucky with seven total tackles, three solo in the game. Uh, Looking at that game a little bit more, one one Kentucky field goal was only a five-place, 16-yard drive. Uh, One touchdown was the kickoff return we just mentioned, and another touchdown was set up by a fumble deep in Miami territory. Kentucky scored on a two-play, eight-yard drive. So it's not like Kentucky was moving the ball up and down the field to get to those 37 points. As you see right there, short short drive field goal, short drive touchdown, kickoff return for a touchdown as well. So 17 points right there. Uh, Pretty, uh, you know, offense either had it easy or didn't even get on the field because of a kickoff return. So, Take that, as you will. For the game against Florida, of course, coming up, the teams have split the last four meetings, each team winning once on the road. A Kentucky win would be Kentucky's straight, second straight victory over Florida, which Kentucky has not accomplished since 76 and 77. So all right, let's take a look at some of the players right here for Kentucky. And you just heard in the interview, there's a lot going on uh, with, these, with, with this Kentucky squad, especially at the running back position. We'll go Cavassier Smoke. He has to fill in for Chris Rodriguez. Smoke's played in 35 career games, 1,338 yards. Seems like he's been there forever. Uh, he's had, uh, had 81 carries for 416 yards and four scores last year, averaging 5.1 yards a carry. So uh, respectable, about five yards a carry there for Cavassier Smoke last year. He had a career-high 104 yards last year versus LSU. Uh, and now, of course, missing Chris Rodriguez even more. Even more in Cavassier smoke. But this is what Kentucky is missing with Rodriguez not being on the field. He was second in the SEC and 12th nationally with 106.1 yards per game and seventh in the SEC in all-purpose yards with 110.8. He was supposed to be 
the leading rusher returning in the SEC. That's what Kentucky's missing there. So also with uh, Cavassier Smoke back there, Mike Drennan, uh, he switched from wide receiver to running back during fall camp. He saw action in six games in 21, uh, 21 yards, seven carries. Not much to look at there. Uh, Lavelle Wright played in four games as a true freshman, uh, but impressed with, in, in his limited time. He had four carries, 119 yards, one score, uh, and included in that is a 41-yard carry in the season finale versus Louisville last year. So there we go. There is the running back situation there for Kentucky. Cavassier Smoke, we all know about. It seems like, like, as I said, it seems like he's been there forever. You don't forget a name like Cavassier Smoke. Uh, so he's been, been, been there for a while. Um, capable back. He, he is a capable back. And I guess the question will be right there, can he do it by himself? Or, Drennan Wright, can they step up? Senior wide receiver Tavion Robinson made a big splash in his first game at Kentucky against Miami of Ohio last week, as, I, as you heard me say. Transfer from Virginia Tech. Uh, one more time, tied his career high with six catches. Good for a career best, 136 yards last week. Uh, first 100-yard game of his career. Uh, most receiving yards for any Wildcat in their first game at Kentucky. Bre- breaking Wanda Robinson record last year. We know how special he was. Um, looking at Robinson, his first play was a 45-yard catch and run that set up the first touchdown of the season for Kentucky, uh, followed that with two catches on a field goal drive, and then a 41-yard reception to set up another field goal. So very instrumental in their scoring in Kentucky scoring drives. Uh, also had a 23-yard punt return, and so he'll be used in the return game uh, maybe a little bit as well. Uh, going back to his time at Virginia Tech, caught 113 passes, 1,555 yards, and eight touchdowns. So he was a bit proven. And then Kentucky gets another Robinson transfer, <laughs> Wandell last year, and then this year, Tavion. But how will he replace Wandell Robinson? They are not the same type of wide receiver. Wandell Robinson, the, the slasher, do it all, speed, can make a play. Out of, out of nothing, can, can, of course, take a screen pass like he did last year versus Florida and score. Um, not exactly the same player here. Uh, and Will Levis, he may go on to have a great season, but can we really answer the question right now through one game we can't, and we'll get a, a better glimpse, but he's going to have to answer the question of how he will do without Rondell, Wondell Robinson. of his completions were to Wondell Robinson last year. 104 of 233 completions. The next closest was Josh Ali with 41 catches, and he's gone too. So you see not a lot of proven production coming back that played last year for Kentucky. They had to go transfer a portal. Go get Tavion Robinson. Can he somewhat replace what Wondell Robinson was able to do production-wise, numbers-wise for Kentucky. The top returning wide receiver from last year that played for Kentucky, Junior Demarcus Harris, who caught 12 passes, 150 yards, and one score. So as you heard, going through some more Kentucky's offense, offensive line only returns two starters from a year ago. Three starters lost are All-American right tackle Darian Kennard. All SEC center Luke Fortner, all SEC offensive tackle Derek Rosenthal. Fortner was drafted by the Jaguars in the third round. Kennard was drafted by the Chiefs in the fifth round. Uh, along with Rosenthal, the trio combined for 38 starts on the line for the Wildcats last season. Whew. 
And they've recruited well there. They've developed well there. But you're replacing three guys who were just lights out in the SEC and a couple in the NFL. And lost a little key backup last year, too. Austin Dotson, he saw action in 40 career games with eight stars in his four-year career. And last year in 2021, he saw action in all 13 games with four starts at right guard. So Kentucky missing some pieces there up front. You can see it. They started struggling up front last week uh, in, in game one. They're shuffling the pieces now. Some guys are playing in the sand in a different spot than where they started at against just Miami of Ohio. So if you start up front, that's where you have to start looking at this game, given Kentucky's you know profile, a tough, hard-nosed run team. They really struggled last week up front versus Miami of Ohio. They gave up four sacks, could not get the run game going as the running backs only gained 68 yards on 18 carries. As you heard Kevin say, you know, they're going to shuffle some pieces. They're going to have to figure all that out with 90,000 screaming Gator fans, excited Gator fans, feeding off of last week at the same time. Games will sell out officially again. We'll see with that. I mean, well, at least early on, going back to last week, this does not look like your typical Kentucky offensive line. Can we take too much from last week and apply and try to apply it this week? Absolutely. It's happened before versus Kentucky. But that was not a good look last week to get the season going. Florida had some nice moments last week creating pressure. A good bit of it last week, but Cam Rising eluded almost every bit of it. Will Levis is athletic. Uh, he's not as slippery, but he he can run. I mean, I wouldn't definitely not call him a running quarterback, but you know, I wouldn't call Rising a running quarterback either. But mobile, and you know, it's probably the best way to describe Levis as well. But I'll say not as mobile, not as slippery, not as slash as a as a as a Cam Rising. He'll have some nice runs, or he can he can produce some nice runs. He has that ability, but I just I don't I don't think quite to Rising's level. So can the Florida defensive line create the same type of pressure as last week, but get home this time? If so, might start seeing some turnovers. Levis threw 13 interceptions last year. Really bad interception in the end zone last week. Doesn't really have the weapons at receiver. Or proven. Let me say proven. We don't know yet, but right now, I mean, you look at Tavion Robinson. He could be that guy. They'll try to make him the feature guy, the feature target for for, for Levis. You know, Florida did a good job last year um, for the most part, but did let Wondell Robinson get crazy on one play. Difference in the game, or one of the differences in the game, but definitely one of the differences when you look at Kentucky offense versus Florida defense. Jason Marshall locked up on Tavion Robinson, of course. <laughs> this is that. That's not hard. Lock him down. Shade coverage to his side. Make someone else beat you. And we'll see. You know, can, can Kentucky try to involve their tight ends based on Florida struggles last week? Uh, they, they don't have guys like that. Uh, and Not many do. So I, I'll keep hitting that. Um, so teams may try to use tight ends. Georgia's about the only other team that can try and do it that way. And they'll do it in different ways than Utah did. But as far as the tight end position goes and the mismatches, that size and speed can, can create. Nobody's going to do it like Utah did last week. 
So Florida needs, of course, to stop an undermanned run game, be better in alignment, in assignments, like Billy Napier has said. That may be all it takes, you know, with the struggles along the Kentucky offensive line. And Kentucky's going to come out and, and go big like Utah did in the second half and just bowl over <laughs> and, you know, try to, try to outman Florida's defensive line numbers-wise. I, I, I don't see that. They don't have that personnel. So Florida's defensive line scheme need to make, make, need to make those Kentucky offensive linemen think a bit. Throw different attacks at him. Attack him in different ways. Force Levis to throw. Take his best option away in Robinson. Sacks, turnovers can be the result. This will be another game where Florida's cornerbacks can really get in the face of receivers until they prove or not they can beat you. And I'm just not so sure those wide receivers can. Uh, let's move to the other ball, other side of the ball, and man, a good test on defense right here. Kentucky's giving Florida some fits right there. Fourth-year defensive coordinator Brad White is proven to be an excellent hire uh, for Mark Stoops. Got him from the NFL a few years ago. He took over in 2019. Kentucky's steadily become uh, a pretty stout defense. Other programs have taken notice, tried to hire White. State of Kentucky. For the first time since 86 to 89, Kentucky has allowed 26 or fewer points per game in four straight seasons. Pretty good in today's college football. For the first time since 59 to 62 has yielded 160 rushing yards or fewer per game for four straight seasons. Once again, in today's high-scoring football Kentucky has held opponents to 30 or fewer points in 32 of his 38 games as coordinator. There for Brad White. 32 of his 38 games have held opponents to 30 or fewer points. Up front, some key returnees, Josiah Hayes. He saw action in all 13 games with one start at nose guard. Octavius Oxendine played in six games with three starts. At tackle before an injury. Justin Rogers played in all 13 games with four starts at nose guard. Uh, and Trevon Ribka played in 12 games with one start at defensive end. So not a lot of starts, but guys who have seen some action. But of course, you know, when we're this early in the season, you can still take a look at who they're lost and who they're trying to replace them with. Biggest loss on the defensive line. I'm not telling you guys something you don't already know. A guy that terrorized Florida last year. Josh Pascal, or Josh Pascal, 37 career tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks, along with three block kicks in his career. Ranks tied for third on the school's all-time tackle for loss list. Last season, earned second team All-American and first team All-SEC honors. Led the team in tackles for loss for 15 and a half and quarterback hurries with eight. That's what Kentucky has to replace there with Pascal. Now we go to inside linebackers. Kentucky's always – that's a linebacker factory there. Uh, and they, they, they've got some good linebackers. Inside linebackers led by two returning super seniors, uh, starters in Jacquez Jones, DeAndre Square. Jones transferred last year after three seasons at Ole Miss. Started every game last year for Kentucky. Led the team with 86 tackles. Made three huge plays on pass defense last year. Had an interception versus Missouri. And that uh, a touchdown uh, saving pass breakup versus Chattanooga. And then also had that game-saving tip pass 
to seal the win over Florida last year. He also had a career-high 18 tackles at Mississippi State, did Jacques Jones. DeAndre Square, 49 career games, 35 career starts, plenty of experience there. Third leading tackler last season with 80 tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, three quarterback hurries, hauled in the game-winning interception versus Iowa in the Citrus Bowl last year. Now, Kentucky was supposed to bring back a good duo at outside linebacker. Junior J.J. Weaver and super senior Jordan Wright coming into last week. Weaver and Wright combined 66 games coming into the season, 19 starts between them. But it looks like Wright is caught up in the same off-field issues as running back Rodriguez, and he will miss this game. They both had good seasons last year. And as I said, Wright probably won't play, but he had 30 tackles, four tackles for loss, six pass breakups, and a sack, while Weaver had 34 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, team high six sacks, four quarterback hurries, two interceptions, forced fumble, and a pass breakup. So Weaver, um, you know, they were that duo was supposed to come back, um, and Wright will not play. Weaver will, and Weaver's got some stats to back up his game. Weaver was named one of the three award winners for the 2021 Mayo Clinic Comeback Player of the Year Award after sitting out in 2020 season with an ACL injury. He was named third team All-SEC by Phil Steele and an absolute playmaker. One more time, those stats. 30 tackles, four tackles for loss, six pass breakups, and a sack. That was right. He will not play. Weaver, 34 tackles, 10 of those tackles for loss, and a team-high six sacks. So Weaver, one of the players to really, really watch out for at that outside linebacker spot for Kentucky. Let's go to the back end for Kentucky. Four key veterans to replace, and bull, man, all these games and career starts that Kentucky has to replace here. Cedric Dort, Jr., 44 career games. 26 starts. Defensive back Quandre Mosley, 36 career games, four career starts. Safety Yusef Corker, 49 career games, 36 career starts. And safety Devontae Robinson, 49 career games, 17 career starts. They had a big loss back in spring practice. Junior and top returning nickelback Vito Tisdale went down with a knee injury. He'll miss the season. He played nine games, started twice last year, 21 tackles. One and a half tackle for loss. So that's what they lose there. Four key veterans that they lose, and a fifth who went down to spring practice with Vito, Vito Tisdale. Two key starters do return. Super senior safety Tyrell, Asian, 48 career games, 23 starts, and junior cornerback Carrington Valentine started in 12 games last year. Asian had 46 tackles, four pass breakups, one interception as a safety last year. Valentine ranked fourth on the team last season with 61 tackles, added five pass breakups, a tackle and a half a loss in one quarterback hurry. So, of course, another team like Utah last week, Kentucky right here, known for their physicality. But, you know, we're placing some players up front like Utah, not necessarily at the linebacker position. A little more up front. But Kentucky still has some good ones. Not, uh, not a very creative defense. They're just going to try and beat you. Most time it doesn't need to be. Most time that's good enough. 
They can beat up a lot of teams up front. I'm not so sure their defense is there yet. Not sure they'd be able to do it versus this Florida front anyway. They're going to try and limit the big play on the back end. Uh, AR gets a chance to attack his own defense here uh, against a secondary that's pretty unproven. Florida may open it up a bit more than last week. You know, Florida's going to be a run team first. That, that last drive slanted that even more last week. It was working, and you needed to eat some clock at the same time. Just, just keep converting. So with the inexperience on the back end, there may be some opportunities to find some open receivers, especially if that ground game gets going. Florida receivers, you know, need to need to prove they can get open in some situations for some big plays down the field. Kentucky's a tough team to run on. Uh, recent history shows that. But you do it here, that's a feather in the cap. If you can do so. I do expect some big passing plays, but Florida's going to run the ball. Florida's going to run the ball. Will be interesting to see how Kentucky plays Anthony Richardson. You know, they purely just key focus on him, try to stop that 45-yard run like we saw last week and try to contain him as much as possible and just see if the running backs can – offensive line and the running backs. But, that, that, I mean, that's where it's so getting, getting – it's going to be so hard to defend this Florida offense. If you're going to put so much focus on Anthony Richardson, already proven this offensive line and these running backs will be able to take advantage. And even when you do have the focus on him, that last drive, a lot of people knew Anthony Richardson, the ball wasn't going to come out of his hands. And a couple of times, Utah was in position to make a play. And Yard does something good anyway. I think the run game has their success. As I said, that would be a feat in and of itself with the way this Kentucky defense has played far recently. Kentucky's usually, usually tough to run on, but I like what I see from this Florida front through one game. So all around for this game, you know, how much can Florida add to last week? How much can they add emotionally? Are the Gators riding high and, and oozing with confidence, or is a letdown in store? How much can the Gators add to the playbook? Early in the coach's tenure, you know, but players are still learning the playbook, just making sure the basics are taken care of. And how much can Florida add to what we saw last week? Does the passing game open up more, if need be? Can Patrick Tony give more responsibility to his defenders? You know, basically, how much more can you install on both sides of the ball? How can you grow from last week? That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. How much different do we see? Do we need to see much different? We're gonna see a lot of very. We're gonna see a lot of similarities. And Kentucky's gonna have a lot to say in that regard as well. Just one more, you know, one more time. A, a program that's given Florida fits the last five, six years, besides twenty twenty. But this is another type of game that could be an example of the steps being made in this program. A big step was taken last week, and we can't take that away. We won't take that away, as much as some rivals and, and pundits out there want to. 
But progress has already been made just based off that. This just could be another step in that direction. Loss won't mean last week was a fluke. You know, going 2-0 and in this stretch was always going to be tough for this program where it's at right now. Heck, it'd be tough for a majority of college football out there. Even as tough as it seemed a couple of weeks ago, I'm predicting the Gators to go 2-0. and Florida 31, Kentucky 17. I'm riding high. And also, let's not forget now, I was not that high on Kentucky coming into the season. We'll see if they prove me wrong again. I wasn't this, uh, not as high on Kentucky as many out there. I had them fourth in the East behind Georgia, behind Florida, behind Tennessee. You know, so pair that with what we saw from Florida last week and maybe even a little bit with what we saw from Kentucky last week. I, I, it does, you know, it is worth bringing up transitive property in college football can get you in trouble. Kentucky has struggled early season against teams like this before, only to come and you know play Florida very tough anyway. But I'm a I'm an AR over Levis. I need to see Levis prove something that he can do something without Rondell Robinson. So from what we saw from Florida last week, I got to pick the Gators. Florida's run game, with or without AR, going to be strong. Kentucky wants to play their normal use of zone, and I think AR is just going to pick them apart, have a big day passing. I don't think the Wildcats have enough weapons in the passing game with the struggles of the run game or the struggles I see coming in the run game without Rodriguez on the field. That run game, I think, will have trouble against a defensive line that will look better this week just because a better matchup. A better matchup, I think. 31-17 is a prediction for the Gators to take down Kentucky. Should be a fun time in the swamp. Should be an exciting time in the swamp. Can the Gators start 2-0? What a, what a story that would be, as I said don't think many people predicted this at all for Florida to go 2-0 in these two games. And it can happen with the victory over Kentucky Saturday night. So, right. One more time, thanks to Kevin McGuffey giving us a preview of the Kentucky Wildcats. That will do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.